Welcome back to Mavericks and Misfits, all of my friends, all of you that are listening. So happy to be in the studio today because I'm not by myself. It's favorite person on the planet day here at Mavericks and Misfits. So I've got my favorite person on the planet, and that is, of course, my wife, Amy. Say hey, Amy. Hello. And I'm uh, just getting back. We are just getting back from a little trip to Kentucky where we both ministered and uh, Life in Christ Church up there with pastors uh, Chris and Sue McDonald. Great, mm-hmm. great, great church. Yes. Great people. And um, we had a little bit of time to, um, you know, just talk about the kingdom on the way back. It's about a six-hour drive. And, uh, you know, we were talking about deliverance and this this new movie. Well, it's not so new. It came out several weeks ago, but you and I saw it the week it came out and limited showing. It'll be shown again May 10th and 11th. And, April. Yep. April 10th and 11th. So glad she's in the studio with me today because I am terrible at messing up calendars. Um, April 10th and 11th. And it's called Come Out in Jesus' Name. And, uh, you know, when you and I saw it, we saw it with some friends. Um, <laughs> I got more than I expected. Tell, tell, tell Mavericks and Misfits listeners what, what that movie was about. Talk to us. Yeah, it was um, a great movie. I had seen it. Uh, advertised on Facebook, I think. And as a matter of fact, I know exactly what it was. I watched a little promo that Isaiah Saldivar um, had posted, and I've been listening to him for years, and he is all about deliverance and does a lot of uh, deliverance. Hey, just stop for a second. Tell everybody in your words, what is deliverance? Some people literally listening, we have so many different theological backgrounds, everything from Presbyterian Baptist to hyper-charismatic to hyper-Calvinist, and we've just got a ton of different people listening. And you and I know what deliverance is. Probably most of our listeners do, but just for the sake of you know continuity, what is deliverance in, in layman's terms? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm glad you uh, asked that because sometimes we can forget that we're talking about something that's so very familiar and something we've studied, you know, for years and others don't. And of course, I didn't probably prior to seven or eight years ago, I would not have known what deliverance was if someone had asked me. So my personal a definition of deliverance is is recognizing that there is an aspect of your life that is being controlled by the enemy and seeking freedom from that and you know sometimes allowing others to speak into that for me it was seeing a counselor who is uh, also does deliverance ministry And recognizing that as I was counseling her, that I was just not in need of counseling. I was in need of deliverance. And for me, it's just anywhere in your life that you are not experiencing total freedom uh, in the Lord. And it can be a place that you habitually run back to. You know, some of us call it, you know, our most familiar sins, something that we can't get victory over, but yet we need freedom that hasn't come from counseling multiple altar calls, multiple prayers over this matter. So there's something else that's needed to get freedom. And to me, deliverance offers that, particularly when it is a demonic stronghold in someone's life. Yeah, to be clear, we're not beating around the bush. We're not trying to skirt the issue. We're talking about 
the activity of literal demons that are working in a Christian's life. Mm -hmm. That in and of itself feels controversial to some because the, the understanding for many is that if Jesus is living in the temple of your body, he's living in your heart, he's living in you. And of course, every single Christian has God living inside of him in the person, not quite really the son of God living in them, but it's actually the spirit of God living in them. The son of God is sitting on a throne in heaven in a glorified body, but God himself inhabits the Christian uh, via the person, the Holy Spirit, from the moment that person repents and believes in Jesus Christ. So people think, well, if the Holy Spirit's living in the temple of my body, how can a demon be living in the temple of my body? And so a lot of people uh, prematurely dismiss this whole topic because they get hung up on the preposition, whether the demon is on somebody, in somebody, around somebody, against somebody. And they literally just walk away from a very important topic on the basis of, you know, they don't like the prepositions that we use. Just to be clear, and I'm going to pitch it back to you. The Bible says that people are demonized. When you read in scripture that somebody has a demon or the activity of demon, the, the Bible, literally the Greek language uses a, a verb that is demonized or an adjective. The person is demonized and the Bible doesn't speak particularly into how this activity works on a Christian. There are moments in the Bible where Jesus cast demons out of people that haven't believed. But the issue we're talking about is what realm do demons have in the work against Christians? And um, I'm going to encourage all of you that are listening, feel free to study out that issue. We're not going to make that the point of our podcast episode today. And I think we'll do another one on this just because mm -hmm. it's a big topic. But let's just go ahead and come into agreement that one-third of the angels, the original angels, rebelled with Lucifer. They were cast out. They were essentially evicted from heaven by God, and they became demons. We commonly talk to them about wicked spirits, fallen angels, or the most common term is demon. And those demons have nothing to do except rebel against God. They follow their master, who is Satan, and he is the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So demons never take a vacation. They are working to steal, kill, and destroy anything that brings glory to God. And therefore, because the church is the primary vessel through which glory is brought to God, we should know for a certainty that demons fight the church. They fight Christians. And so in your understanding and your experience, Amy, you, you have come to a place where you believe that every single Christian should consider, or I'll strengthen it, you believe they should all go through a deliverance process. Can you tell us a little bit why? Yeah, I do believe that. And again, I'm sympathetic to those who are a little wary, you know, of this topic. Um, I will give a quick, a funny testimony really quick, that when I went to counseling, in 2016, there were just some things going on in my life that I was struggling with since my accident. 
some fears. And people don't know, but the accident you're referring to is the tragic car wreck in 2011 that nearly killed you. It did um, usher your mom into glory, and then you were left with some very intense physical limitations, right? That's exactly right. And so that's what I'm referring to. And, you know, it was so obvious that I have a metal ankle, I have a metal leg, I have metal fingers, wrists, elbows, and limitations that come from those things. What wasn't so obvious is that I was living in fear. I was very claustrophobic. I did not want to be in an elevator. I did not and could not drive anywhere near uh, the vicinity of that car wreck without becoming very, very upset. And I knew that that was not my portion from the Lord. That was not what his best was for me. And again, I'm pursuing the Lord, I'm pressing in, I'm saved, I'm reading my Bible, I'm praying every day, I'm walking with Jesus, I'm filled with the Spirit, and I cannot get victory over a few of these things. So I go to counseling. And Go ahead and tell them where you went to counseling, because that's also the wonderful people that did your deliverance. Yes, I went to Safe Harbor Counseling with uh, Tim and Beth Scott, who I highly recommend. She's a phenomenal counselor, but they also um, do deliverance ministry. But I wrote on my little card that I gave her of all my information, I had to check whether I was there for counseling or deliverance. I checked counseling. I marked through the word deliverance. And then I put at the bottom, I am not here for deliverance. (laughs) And so I made it very, very clear that I was only there uh, for counseling. I was not interested in deliverance. I was not there for uh, deliverance. So that's something that her and I still joke about that I was very clear from the get-go that I had no interest in deliverance. Yeah, so you were you were tentative with that because it just sounds weird. I mean, it just really does. And, um, you know, when we think of deliverance, we think of like man's head spinning around, puking out dark vomit and, you know, demons flying all over the room and crawling up walls and all of the exorcist kind of stuff. But obviously that's rarely anything that, you know, happens in actual legitimate deliverances. That's exactly right. And again, if anyone, excuse me, if anyone in my mind shouldn't have needed deliverance, it would have been me. And not out of pride, not out of, but just in very logistical things. It's like the only thing I'd heard about, you know, quote unquote, exorcism was from a movie that I was not allowed to watch. And still have not watched to this day, but associated anything demonic with these horrible films that would have never been allowed to have been viewed by me, you know, because of my mom. And so here I am. I'm the girl that, you know, raised in church, saved at seven, lived for Jesus, never got off, you know, quote unquote, into the world never, you know, had gotten into alcohol, never had gotten into drugs. I was, you know, a virgin when I got married. And I'm not saying all of that in like some prideful way. I'm just saying I had no reason to think that I could ever possibly need deliverance. Yeah, because there were no obvious open doors through which any demonic activity should have come to your life. You were walking as a child under the guidance of your parents and all things Christian. So there weren't any of the common open doors, no drugs, no alcohol, no 
um, you know, crazy demonic music, nothing from the entertainment industry, no activity on your part that would be overtly sinful. So for a person that, <clears throat> and I would agree with you, that if you're a case study, we look at somebody like you and say, what does she need deliverance for? She's just gotten saved. But going back to the fact you had trauma. Trauma. Trauma was the open door. You didn't yes. open the door, but trauma was the door through which the enemy gained a stronghold in your emotional life, and it produced that fear. That's exactly right. And the realization of that made me angry enough at the enemy that I thought, I'm going to do whatever it takes to close this. Because, you know, talk about kind of adding insult to injury, is that I was not responsible for this car accident, you know, that that was someone else's doings, that I'm already having limitations in my body. I've lost my mom. And now on top of it, I have an open door to where the enemy can harass me because of something someone else did. Like, that just seemed like the worst thing ever, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And But it, our amazing counselor, as she says, it's not your fault, but it is your problem. And that has been a sentence that I have used over and over and over again as I'm talking to myself, as I'm talking to other people, um, because it seems wrong and unjust that we're suffering from something that now we've got to go spend the money, the time, the energy, the emotional heaviness to get free from something that someone else did. But the truth of the matter was, it was. It was my problem. It wasn't my fault, but it was my problem. So when you made up your mind to go and see Safe Harbor, Beth and Tim Scott, um, pardon me, allergy cough, <clears throat> you went and saw them. And um, the process, because our, our, our listeners will be interested in knowing, like, so you go through a couple of months, uh, typically, let's just bring it down to a summary. Um, a client that goes to Safe Harbor for the purpose of deliverance will go through anywhere between six and eight weeks of counseling, finding out your history, finding out what were the open doors, finding out your temperament, finding out how how, how has God wired you, how has the enemy come against you, all of that um, intake kind of information. And then in the deliverance session that follows that, because all of that inventory that in your case, Beth Scott did, she does that months of inventory and she's gaining an understanding of how the enemy has sought to establish footholds in your life, finds the target areas that, okay, Amy's struggling with habitual fear, claustrophobia, fear of being trapped, fear of being, um, and, and there were triggers that would get, I remember elevators for a while. You had a hard time doing elevators, being in parked cars. One of the big things now is even in church services where people come up to you and surround you, even though you've gone through deliverance, you have to, you have to process those moments because it can take you back. And, right. and all of that, yes, emotions are involved in that. It is emotional. We are body, soul, and spirit. Spirit. And the enemy will exploit either any of those. If he can punish you in your body, he'll do it. If he can provoke you in your soul, he'll do it. If he can get in there and try to, you know, come against what God's doing in your spirit, he'll do it. And so in the deliverance session, help our listeners understand what does that look like? Yeah, that's a great question. And in the process of going through counseling, you know, I'm asking her tons of questions, but I'm also digging in the word. And I see that part of the Great Commission is to cast out demons. Hello. You know, so like, oh, that's something we're supposed to be doing as believers. And at that point, I had not really, really seen that happening um, in ministry. So immediately, I'm aware that, oh, this is part of our ministry. The second thing I'm aware of 
is that I cannot do that if I have not walked through that myself. And so I was amazed at everyone's amazement that I was going through deliverance because this is what was told to me over and over. Pastors and pastor's wives never go through deliverance. Yeah, they, Beth told you that, right? As somebody did. who has done deliverance on thousands of people, she said, how many pastors had gone through it? Like a couple, maybe. She told me, and I'll just go ahead and tell you, I've gone through deliverance too with Safe Harbor Ministries. And Beth told me I'm the second pastor that she's led through deliverance. That's, yeah. That's crazy. It is because we know in anything, we cannot lead where we have not been. You know, I don't, I don't want to follow someone into the wilderness that's never been into the wilderness. I don't want to get on a plane with a guy who's never flown a plane. And so I was so shocked as I went through the process that uh, leaders are so reluctant to, to go through deliverance themselves because, you know, how are we going to cast something out if, if we're also being tormented by that same spirit, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be an issue there. So I highly recommend, you know, not in judgment. And I understand it's um, a very vulnerable thing to do, but goodness, if, if we want total freedom, aren't we willing to do whatever it takes for not only us to be free, but to also set others, others free, because that's part of our ministry. Well, and I think one of the things that when I was reluctant to, um, Amy went for counseling and then eventually went through deliverance when she saw the value in it. Um, I didn't want to do deliverance. And so I did some deliverance light with, it was a lighter version of deliverance with another organization. And I did get some breakthrough on a few areas, but they didn't really go as hard after it as Beth and Tim do in Safe Harbor. And so I think, um, what do you tell the people who are like, hey, I'm fine. I don't, they, I mean, I'm Amy, I'm, I don't sense any torment. You use the word torment. I don't sense torment. What are some other things that people should consider whether or not they need deliverance? Maybe they don't feel the torment, mm-hmm. but what, what are some of the things that might be indicators that, um, yeah, you're in need of deliverance? Yeah, that's a great question. I also want to say too, that I, um, she very much walked me through, the uh the scripture about ananias and sapphira you know what does it say um as far as we know these were believers yeah they were believers they were there's nothing in the bible that says they weren't believers and people can't conclude that they weren't believers just because it doesn't make sense when you're about to say what you're about to say right they were part of the church and back then you weren't part of the church if you weren't a believer you're selling all your stuff, stuff. You're possibly risking your life. It's not like they were going into one of our churches today, sitting on the back row, and they may or may not believe. If you're part of the early church, you know Jesus. And so the scripture says that the enemy had entered into their hearts and caused them to deceive the Holy Spirit why? or try to deceive the Holy Spirit. Yeah. What, what Peter said is, why has Satan filled your heart to Christians? Yes, that's what he asked. And so she's showing me these things. And again, I've heard people say, and I probably believe this, well, how can light and darkness dwell? Well, I mean, I'll ask you, Jeff, have, have you, do you have thoughts about God every day? 
Yeah, I have thoughts about God every day. Do you do you struggle with thoughts you shouldn't have every day? Sure. So light and darkness are dwelling in your mind together. Yeah, all of us. We all, all of us. Unless unless you're glorified, you are still fight. That's why it says the spirit lust against the flesh. That's the King James yes. version. The spirit wars against the flesh. The flesh wars against the spirit. And the enemy, the demonic realm, always seeks a way to ride in on the flesh. Yes. To exploit a situation. And so, but right there, we see that light and darkness do dwell together in us every single day. And it's why we're, we're constantly, you know, consecrating ourselves, you know, staying close to the Lord. But when we are saved, and you can correct me if I'm saying any of this wrong, it is our spirit that is saved. You know, our soul is our mind, our will and emotions. That is where we struggle. And that is where the enemy comes in and torments and and gain strongholds because how many of us would say we struggle in our minds our thought lives our emotions you know being self you know being self-controlled that is where we struggle our spirit is what is perfect and we are indwelt by the holy spirit and we are a temple of the holy spirit but i mean most of us would indicate that yes we struggle in our thoughts we struggle in our emotions we struggle in our bodies and so as she's walking me through this I'm recognizing that of course I was not completely made perfect and if salvation brought complete deliverance uh, from all these things that I struggle with surely I would see it in my mind with will and emotions if the all curses were broken, then I should not be getting gray hair. I shouldn't be getting wrinkled. You know, that's also part of the curse is that we age and that Yeah, we grow weaker, we get sicker. Yes. And so if all of that is broken at the moment of salvation, I would think that it would be a little bit more evident in in our bodies and in our souls. Well, and, and then, you know, when you look at Ephesians 4.27 is a startling statement written to Christians. It's written to Christians when Paul says in Ephesians 4.27, do not give a place to the devil. And do you know what he's talking about there? Bitterness of heart. Paul the apostle is telling Christians that bitterness of heart gives place to the devil somewhere inside of that Christian. So I think just for the sake of time, we've landed the, the reality that Christians are not immune from demonization. And you can wrestle with whether you want to talk about that. Is that demon in somebody, on somebody, around somebody? Uh, you, I think it was you that told me one time, it's like fleas. You don't want fleas in you. You don't want fleas on you. You don't want fleas around you. And if they are, you're going to do something about it. And so when we come to this issue of a demon working against a Christian, let's just go ahead and pull our heads out of the sand. And let's just go ahead and embrace the idea. Yes, demons afflict Christians even to the extent of dominating them dominating them in certain cases and there are doors that have opened in our lives um all of us i'm telling you guys and especially for anybody like me that was out in the world before they got saved all of the stuff i did up to the point i was saved 
was a constantly open door. It, matter of fact, we took the door off the hinges when we were growing up and demonic activity came in through every source of entertainment, through pornography, through illicit relationships, through pharmacia, drugs and alcohol, drunkenness, excess, through um, all sorts of media streams. All of that stuff welcomes demons in. When Jesus Christ comes and saves, yes, he takes over the house, but there has to be a cleansing of that house, and it is possible for us to keep doors and windows open to the demonic realm, even when Jesus is living in the house of our bodies. And so deliverance is the process by which you clean out your spiritual house and you shut the doors. Yeah, that's so good. I mean, even the scripture that it says, um, it doesn't say I've not given you fear. It says I haven't, I haven't given you the spirit of fear, indicating that it's the spirit, that fear is a spirit. And so, yeah, I, I love deliverance. And if you're listening today and thinking, oh my goodness, you know, do, do I have a demon on me. And, you know, there's nothing to panic about. It's like exposure is what they fear most. Good word. Exposure is your best friend. You know, most of us think that the the day we get a diagnosis is the worst day. No, that's actually the best day. The worst day was the day before when you're still walking around with that cancer and you have no idea. Good word. Yeah, you're, you can't do anything about it. You're not even aware that it's there. Once you get a proper diagnosis, then you can start attacking that thing. And so I'm hoping through this, you know, this episode and maybe the next, that it will at least open your eyes. Is the Lord exposing something in my life? And we have great news that there's something you can do about it. Because as much as trauma and sin and other things can open the door, we have the authority to cast those things out. We have the authority to close the door and never struggle with it again. And so this is good news. This is good news. And of course, you know, maybe even in the next episode, we can give some of our own personal testimony about the freedom Uh, I know that I experienced after going through deliverance and the lie of the enemy was that, well, of course you're claustrophobic. You were stuck in a car for hours. You were trapped in a hot car on a hot day, of course. And so the lie of the enemy is some of the things that believers are tolerating in their lives because we think it's normal because of what we've been through. It is a lie from the pit of hell. It's not something that you're supposed to be dealing with and tolerating on a daily basis. There is freedom and that freedom comes through deliverance. Yeah, I think you're touching on a good point. A lot of deliverance for me was coming out of agreement with lies that were fostered in my mind that got down into my soul. And I, I began to believe that I was something that I was not. And literally, if you have entered into agreement with a demonic lie, and again, there's plenty of Bible. He's the deceiver. He's the accuser. He is the one. He, he's got nothing 
other, nothing to do other than to bombard all of those demons, Satan and the demons bombard us with deception. His number one tool is accusation and deception. And so he comes against our minds to the extent where it's just like when, when you hear the whisper of the enemy long enough that you'll always be this, you're nothing more than this because you did this, you will always be this type of person. And you, you, there are so many hundreds of ways we come into agreement with that. Not only things that demons say over us, but people have said over us. And then when we come into agreement, it becomes a demonic stronghold. It comes against our identity in Christ. So part of deliverance is breaking off agreement with lies that we believe. Absolutely. And the Bible tells us to renew our minds. Well, guess what? I don't need to renew my mind over some weird thought I had last week. I forgot it. If I'm renewing renewing my mind in that strong of a context, that means tearing down long-held thoughts and beliefs about myself, about others, about God. So part of deliverance is just renewing your mind. Do you struggle in what you think about yourself? Do you struggle in what you think about God? Can you trace that back to an event in your childhood? You know, the, the truth of the matter is, and it's hard for us to accept this, that we forget the enemy is lethal. He, he does not come to play. You know, you just preached on Sunday morning about uh, the enemy and the little boy that had the, the demon that would throw him into the fire. A, a child. So we're, we're talking about something, someone, Lucifer is ruthless. Satan is ruthless. And it's hard to, for us to, to conceive of this, but he has come after all of us and he comes after us early. The earlier, the better, because the beliefs that we can believe and get into our thoughts about God and ourselves, the earlier, the better, because they've been in there. They're so part of us that if he can traumatize a child before 10 years old, then they have a lot to unlearn about themselves and about the Lord. And I would say most people by 15 or 16 years old have been sought after and wounded by the enemy. And it may look very different from person to person, child to child, but most people have trauma, even if it's a, a teacher calling you stupid. And it maybe that doesn't seem like such a traumatic event. But if you spend the next 40 years telling yourself what she told you, you have not only been wounded by her, you've injured yourself every single day since then. And you need deliverance from that. You need to renew your mind from that. Well, I think when, you know, my favorite saying of the last probably two years when either teaching at Caneo Ministry Training Center preaching wherever God opens up the door to preach or just talking to people is when we read verses, I tell people all the time that has to mean something. Christians are so familiar with the words of the verses of the Bible that they're missing the fact that, Hey, stop for a minute. That actually means something. So when Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he's writing in 2 Corinthians 10, he says, we walk in the flesh, but we, we are not waging war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to do what? Destroy strongholds. 
And then he says, we destroy, what are those strongholds? We destroy arguments and every lofty thought raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So much of the warfare of the demonic realm is on what we think. And you're, you're alluding to that. If the enemy comes against a child and he does, he came against you that are listening when you were a child. He's coming against, if you have children, your children. I mean, good night alive. I don't want to get off on the tangent. Look what's happening in our school. They're seeking to come against the children's identity by age four or five and telling them to question whether they're a boy or a girl. Totally different subject, but that's satanic. It is demonic. Why? Because if you can get somebody's mind early, you'll control them for the rest of life. So what did Paul say? Paul said, our warfare is not about physical warfare. Our warfare is spiritual and it must involve divine power to destroy strongholds. And so when the enemy raises up a stronghold in my life, which he did, lots of them, then it means I can't just wish them away and you can't counsel a demon out of you. The stronghold has to be destroyed and something new has to be built up in its place. That's right. It was amazing how many times in the verse you just read when it was talking about thoughts, the mind, you know, that that is where a lot of our warfare is. And so in the, you know, in the illustration that I just gave and what you're talking about, so many people think, why would I need deliverance about one thing someone said or did 10 years ago? And as hard as it is, but again, it's, it's why we have the responsibility. It's because if I believe that and hold on to it, it's not the original injury that I so am struggling with. I injure myself every single time I go back to that belief and then I say it over me. And so, so many people, and you know, I'm not picking on y'all, but it's just true, especially men. Like, I'm not going to go sit on a couch and talk about something that happened when I was four years old. You know, how could that possibly have anything to do with what I'm doing as a 65 year old? Well, the reason is because, yeah, maybe it wasn't that specific event, but if it took hold and then you told yourself that lie every day for the next 50 years, you are your own worst enemy and you need to have your mind renewed and you need to have that stronghold torn down. I can look at sometimes people who are overachievers and, and, and watch them for a long time and know they had a parent they could not please. You know, there's a real fine line between excellence and someone who cannot rest because it's always got to be better and I've always got to be busy. And a lot of times you can, you can trace that back to a parent who they could never please. And they, yes, that parent has some responsibility in what they did to that child. But now that child has grown up to as to an adult and they have become their own worst enemy because they assume that God is the same way as their parent, that their, their authority is the same as their parent and that I can never please them. So I always have to do more and more and more. And God wants to break that off of people, that and many other things. Yeah. I mean, that's the nature of deliverance. So the enemy sets things in motion and unwittingly we come into agreement with those things, whether it's hearing things as a child, experiencing things as a child or into adolescence and adulthood, it hits our identity. We start responding in ways that are unhealthy. We usually make a bad situation that the enemy initiated. We make it worse by building up around that thing that he deposited in us. And that's where the issue of, oh my goodness, 
here I am later on in life. This thing is too big for me to untangle. I need some help. I need to get delivered. Well, I think what we need to do is let's just go ahead and next week we'll release some more. I want to talk, we we actually never talked about the movie. Um, That movie is called um, In Um, Jesus, Come Out in Jesus' uh Name. And it's a limited showing April 10th and 11th, I think is the next time it's showing. We'll talk a little bit more about that movie and then what we experienced when we were in the movie. It's been happening in movie theaters all around the nation as this movie is shown. But I want to say thanks for tuning in today. It's so good always to have Amy here. Listen, if you want to find out about some of the stuff Amy's investing in, go to spiritual-mama.com. Um, I built the website, and so it's not that awesome, but it was just a landing page, spiritual-mama.com. Um, Amy's pouring into, she's got some groups that she pours into by video once a week. And if you're interested in finding out more how you can benefit from the wisdom God's given her, you can find those at spiritualmama.com. Um, hey, let's do this again. Let's have, let's come back next week when you yeah. get in the studio with me one more time. Absolutely. All right, guys, we're signing off for today. Love you guys. To connect with Jeff, visit maverickmisfit.com where you'll find all his social media links, video resources, his book, Figuring It Out As I Go, and his weekly Transforming Truth blog.